Hello there, thank you for tuning in to the cast. We're super excited that you're listening to our conversation about things that matter to us and we think might matter to you as well. And if you do enjoy this conversation, please rate, subscribe, comment and send us questions because it helps us get the word out and engage with you as the listener. I do want to remind our listeners that the views expressed on the cast are those of the people expressing them and may not necessarily reflect the views of our church. (laughs) I can't do it. With that said, enjoy the show. back for another episode of the cast and if you were at church uh today or this week then you probably heard our big announcement and in the off chance that you didn't hear the big announcement or didn't see it on social media we just want to remind everyone that we will be joining the c3 church family we will in june june c3kw is going to be happening we are excited about it ready to go we've been thinking about and praying about it for months and months and months um, and this is the time that we are stepping into that. So it's pretty big. Um, if you haven't seen, there's a statement that I put up onto our website. You can read just about some of the heart behind it, uh, mainly on just trying to discern the will of God and what that process has been. Because it really has been, I, I, in, the, in the letter I talk about how it really began back last June at C4 conference where you know God really challenged our church and us as leaders to really discern his will and figure out how to be led by him and in a new and fresh way. And just that process of figuring out what does it mean to follow Jesus in our context. And so it's been a, it's been a while. It's been a journey, and we never imagined we'd be here, to be honest. You know, we started uh, with grand visions of other things, and um, but God has been refining us and changing us, and for the better. I think we are such a healthier church now than we've ever been. And, yeah. and so, uh, yeah, we are excited about it. We love Sam and Jess and all that they're about, and partnering with C3 Toronto for the next season will be really, really awesome. We're really excited about it. Um, and, you know, love where we've been, love how God's formed us, love where we're going, um, committed to being the kind of community that we really want to be, and uh, just are excited to be finding a uh, a fresh family to call, you know, um, home. Yeah, and um, for those of you wondering what that means for the cast, um, not a whole lot, really. <laughs> we're uh, just going to continue being the cast. It's part of why we didn't call it the Risen City podcast in the first place. It's because we had some foresight. We did. We um, it wasn't prophetic. It was just uh, we could see what was wisdom. coming. It was just wisdom, <laughs> or maybe it was. Who maybe, knows? Who knows? Both. But yeah, um, I'm excited about it myself. I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, just the new things that this brings. I think it's going to really um, give our church a lot of momentum and just allow us to accomplish that original vision that that mike had for the church and that's to see this whole city saved mm-hmm. amen um another thing i wanted to talk about quickly kind of off the top here is morning prayer um a lot of you have come out to morning prayer and i just want to encourage everyone who hasn't checked it out to um come on out because it's been really good people have been saying great stuff they've mm-hmm. really been uh, just connecting with God in a really deep way, in an awesome way, um, maybe in a new way. Mm-hmm. And I just want to see more of that. I think that the disciplines are so important. And yeah, 6.30 a.m., you're going to have to discipline yourself you to get up yeah, and, and come out to morning prayer. But it's so worth it. Um, we've been doing some guided prayer, just kind of praying through specific things, kind of modeling it after the Lord's Prayer, and really just exploring different ways to uh, connect with God. Yeah, it's been great having Leah lead us in worship. Hidden gem of the church. If you have not heard her lead, it's been amazing. She does a great job every week having Sam lead us in prayer and spend time together and being able to pray over each other and use our giftings um, to really bless each other has been awesome. And as Sam said, like discipline is part of the Christian life and 
you know, we really want to be a church that leans into the things that God's given us to grow our soul and cultivate health. And this is one of those things, especially as a community, right? So, yeah, we really, really do want to encourage you, especially over the summer, right, where typically things slow down. Well, let's sort of ramp up our, our spiritual fervor a little bit and take a commitment to, to be together, praying for our city, for our church, for one another. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful morning. I love uh, that we've started doing it and really put into the rhythm of our church. Yeah, I do believe that uh, Jesus' will for our lives is that we end up looking more like him. Like, I think if we take what he says seriously, if we take just his whole life and the patterns that he showed uh, in scripture seriously, like that has to be true, that we can look more like him. Our lives can look more like him. And I just think morning prayer and getting into that headspace and putting on the mind of God, as some people call it, really helps us live that out. 100%. I would say it the exact same way, I think. Um, If you were here on Easter Sunday, then you heard us talk about how, you know, what what Sam just said is so true that um, the resurrection is the announcement of new creation, Mm -hmm. right? That God is making us new, that that's actually possible, Um, that we don't have to just get to heaven one day, we get to experience it right now. And and part of the way that we grow in that is through the disciplines of our faith, through prayer, like Jesus, like Sam said, we walk in his ways. And so... I, I just love it. It's been so good. Sam's doing a killer job. Will's doing a good job. Leah's doing a great job leading this thing. And yeah, it's awesome. And maybe one day we're planning on doing some kind of prayer retreat. I want to put that out to the, the culture. Because uh, we really want to make this part of who we are as a church and uh, structure us around it. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, come on out. Come uh, on we out. We'd love to see you there. Just be in community, be in prayer, and connect with God in a new way. I thought about maybe, Sam, and maybe this is just you know us riffing on a podcast but we have a we have a we have a growing group of people from cambridge that may be trying to find like a cambridge location for morning prayer too so we can yeah. do like dual zone yeah. community for sure yeah I, I would uh that'd be fun right let's think about that let's talk about that a little bit all more. you cambridge people who yeah. listen in i know your names so i won't say them right now but maybe later <laughs> mike did you ever have like a, a potty mouth growing up no never no, I was way too godly for that. Mm. No, I was just um, too afraid to swear ever. What, what were the consequences of you swearing? Um, well, in my house, it would have been like a good mouth washing, as we used to call <laughs> like, it. Literally with soap? Oh, we got the soap, yeah. Oh, wow. We, we wow. did back when it was uh, pre-cancer-inducing. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but well, uh, You could still get it. We 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 would get that, and I just was raised that you Christians don't yeah. swear, and I like I can tell you the two times I did. Um, what words did you say? I said one time it was in a race, and I just didn't realize how bad I was losing, so I said the S word. Mm. Um, and then the other time, it child's was play. child's play, right? It was uh, grade five, and it was soccer at recess time. All right. Uh-oh. And we were dividing up the teams, and there was one grade six guy. Mm. Um, his name was Adam. I still remember this so clear. He was a bigger guy, quite rotund, but um, like bigger than everybody, like stronger than everybody. So like everyone <laughs> wanted him on their team, right? Yeah. And we didn't get him, so I just said like, "Why do you get effing Adam?" And I was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa Mike!" Whoa. Mike. <laughs> and Gosh. then uh, yeah, and then. Yep. And you grew up to be a pastor. I did, man. Wow. I don't know how God used this man like me. I <laughs> preach every week. Although you could, some would argue that my mouth is pretty, um, uh, not potty mouth, but I'm pretty... Uh, I think I think you're like a little bit abrasive. Abrasive? Well, because again, it depends on your definition, I guess. Like I say crap and... A friggin' frig. <laughs> I don't mean to say frig, to be honest. That's sometimes a little pushing for me on the pulpit, mainly because of like the place it is in the platform. Have you said it from the pulpit before? Have I? I, I, feel I can't like, recall the time, but I you might have. I probably have. Let's be honest. I yeah. probably have. But no, I just like, I like I can't even, and this is just exposing the Pharisee kind of tendencies of my heart, maybe, mm. or the fact that I am just so pure and holy. But like, I can, I, I'm even like joking about saying the words. Like I just, it's like this weird, uh, like a block in my mind. I just, I just don't want to say, even joke about saying them. Really? Wow. Yeah, it's it's just, it's been so ingrained that these are the word. These these are the bad words. Right? Yeah, yeah. I think like yeah, for me like I would say I developed a potty mouth probably in like fourth grade. Like I I cussed pretty frequently on the schoolyard all throughout school into high school. 
uh, into university. I'd say this is probably the last like couple years has probably been the first time in my life where my swearing has like really gone down. Like it's pretty significantly dropped. Like if you knew me like three years ago, I had way worse of a potty mouth <laughs> than I do now. And now like I'm actually very, I have a lot of self-control in this regard because that's really the big thing. What it is for me is just like it became a habit at a young age and then it just develops into like a lack of self-control. Like it just, it becomes a habit and you can't like you say it when you don't mean to sometimes. Yeah. And I think like there is a, I don't know, it's sort of a Christian culture, or at least when I was growing up around like swearing and strong language and all this different stuff that we just don't say, this is not of us. And you know, like I don't think swearing is the worst thing in the world. I, I do think that the Bible is full of quite strong language that we have toned down in our translations yeah. to be real. But I think they were used pointly and purposefully. And yeah. like, if, if the biggest stumbling block in your life is the fact that someone else swears and you can't have a conversation, like then you need to check your own heart on that one. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where I just don't do it now because um, what I do think it's not like needed. It's I, not very pleasant. Like it's not pleasant just from or, that perspective alone. Yeah. Like, and, and like, I don't need like, and this is, this might be me. I don't even know how to say it, like having a certain perspective or whatever, but like, I just don't think I need the, the, the verbal freedoms that I'm like, so mm. into Jesus that I can just say whatever words I want. Like, yeah. I just recognize there, there are cultural words and yeah, they're cultural based. Like in they are, 50 yeah. years, they're going to shift potentially, whatever. It's funny. Right? Cause like all the ones in, uh, in Quebec, all their swear words are like religious profanities. All the ones here are like scatological or sexual yeah, right and it's so it's crazy like, like and i recognize that and so like in the space where these are recognized as certain terms like i'm just not going to say them because i think there's better language i can use there's you know cleaner vocabulary that's going to make the point and it may be even better articulate what i'm trying to say are there moments where i wish i could yes yeah and emotion just there is emotion there but yep. but i tend to i tend i think I don't know. I think it's just so ingrained in me that like, I don't even like, go to there. Like I want to, but I just never even, I just can't. There's like a block in my system where I, I just don't. And I think I would know if I'm really getting, the good thing on that is if I, if I, if, if you ever hear me swearing, right, you know that like something's going on in Mike because like that is definitely not normal. It'd be really me. out of character. It would be for really you. out of character. Yeah. So it'd be an easy exposure if I'm like sucking at life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't like, I, I, I don't, the only thing, my big issue with swearing in Christian, Christianity is like, kind of, I don't think, well, I don't think Jesus would walk around swearing. Uh, yeah, I don't think he would. I, just, I don't have yeah. that image of him. Maybe he would. I don't know. Like, I, well, I think he would say strong things would, against like, people, but I don't yeah. think like, he'd use like sexual vulgarities. Well, he like he did basically say to the Pharisees that like, you know, your mom hooked up with Satan when he called them the sons of the devil, but... <laughs> Um, right, but it it would be it would have been more of a derogatory like statement on their identity, not necessarily about the sexual activity of their mother, like some preachers have tried to make a claim. Right. Um, either way, I think strong language is needed and necessary. And like if you've heard me preach, there are times where I would yeah I would probably be on the more abrasive side and quite blunt and honest. You're and, an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I may have said that one time or twice. <laughs> Um, the one time it was not planned and I had to retract it slightly. I just couldn't believe you called me out in church like that, Mike. Well, sometimes we are idiots. Let's just be real. It's just, we have, we, we, we all know it. Um, anyways. Um, but I just, I, yeah, I just like, I just don't think Jesus would do it. And like, it, it, if the, cause I've heard some Christians, so I, so now I'm 28, right? So I've been in this Christian culture for a while. And some of the people that I grew up with who I knew no would like would have never thought of swearing because it was just so bad you know grew up got a real taste of grace recognized that the bad word list and the good word list is just foolish for like defining christianity yep but then they'll now go and do it just to prove that they're so grace-filled it's like yeah. like <laughs> i'm not losing my <laughs> salvation over right? this right like and, and and like that is just idiocy i won't call them idiots because that'd be mean but that's just idiocy of of a like it like don't like why bother like at that point you're just making a statement and not a point and like 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 we our lives are meant to be always live for the glory of god the good of people the advancement of the mission of god the bringing of joy into the world and it's like if you're gonna walk around and like just swear because you can and you're cool christian you're super relevant I, like that i i don't know maybe i'm being too judgmental but like i just don't think it's necessary i don't think it's needed like it's just no, not needed no, it's and not. so like i don't know some some of the greatest christians i know yeah like grew up 
in cultures where a lot of words that I wouldn't say, they say. Yeah. And I remember hearing one story where um, this this guy, newer Christian, mm. but like he 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 was a biker and like really <laughs> rough. Yeah. And he, I remember being told by my friend that when he first sort of like got the revelation that God loves him, his expression was, God effing loves me. And we're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does, right? And it's just like just enjoying that. So yeah, I don't know. I just don't think it's necessary. It's one of those things where it's like, it doesn't make you cooler or not. If you believe it does, then maybe you, your definition of relevance needs to change a little yeah. bit. But if you do, like I, I like Sam, you've said that over the last time, like the last couple of years, have you grown and matured? Yeah. It's come less and less of a thing. Yeah, I think um, a lot of that is also like just due to the, like just having probably more Christian people in my life mm-hmm. and, and like being more in spaces where like, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that here. And like, so there's been a bit of habit forming there, but good habit forming, habit forming that I've actually wanted for a long time for myself. Cause mm-hmm. I like, I would say of any habit I've developed in my life, that is probably the worst one because it can come out in situations where it really should. And to be honest, that's kind of my fear is if I get used to maybe saying some things in the everyday world, yeah. then when I'm on stage and I'm not like, if I'm, you know, maybe having a rough day and just kind of raw, yeah. like mm. I want to make sure that whatever's coming to my mouth is coming out as, you know, pure as Mike can make it and not even have like the natural inclination towards something yeah, a little exactly. stronger than it doesn't, that needs to be. Yeah. So even like, to be honest, when, when I'm practicing a sermon, uh, I'm actually thinking about that. Like, you know, I don't want to even put kind of a thought or an expectation in my head on a certain line or something so that I just spew it accidentally. Right. And so the same thing applies to me in this where like, I still want to create a culture in my mind yeah. where this kind of language, even if I never say it out loud, but even in my thoughts, the sentences I build in my mind yeah. are trying to be as pure, trying to be as clean as I can. So that, that is the overflow. Right. right, and, right. and I don't, like I said, like if, if someone's biggest issue is swearing, then that's pretty good. Like, so yeah. if, if that's the one issue you have in life, then yeah. all right. And, and I remember a pastor saying like to, he was teaching us like, um, about basic Christians and swearing. I don't know why we're having a whole sermon on this. I can't remember the context for that. I just remember them saying like, swearing is just, it's not the focus. Like if, yeah. you have, if, if you're getting all wound up with people, like Christian swearing, like just get them to love Jesus more and become more like him and yeah. let that take care of itself. Because like the thing with swearing is it usually comes out when you're really excited or really frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like really, it's really extreme emotions that often brings out swearing and you feel the need to emphasize yourself that like extra little bit. So it, like I'd be more checking your heart on like what's getting you wound up in yeah, the first sure. place. Like I think that's really the the heart issue there, the issue that maybe is a reflection of what's going on inside of you rather mm-hmm. than which words you choose to express that well, it's, with. It's true because people have said, right, that to the Christians who don't swear, well, you know, do you say frig, right? I say golly right? a lot. People make right? fun of me. Gosh but I think it's darn hilarious. it, right? Like yep. It's like, well, yeah, you're, you're saying cleaner versions of it, but your mm-hmm. heart essentially is the same. And I agree, it is. Right? Like, what is my... We've talked as, as you know leaders in our church about... Um, the idea of reacting to things like Jesus would not just acting like Jesus. Yeah. And like that really gets to the heart of it. Like what is the, what are those impulses I'm allowing to live in my right. soul? How I discipline them out, right? Mm-hmm. Through the through the work of the grace of God. And and really so even now, so if I'm if I freak out and, you know, I say crap or whatever, you know, number one, I got kids running around now who repeat what I say, <laughs> which is a whole other issue. But it really it just exposes like why are you reacting like this? Like what is upsetting you so much? What is, you know, going against your pride or you know your selfishness that's that's getting this reaction out of you and so i think that really ultimately it's a deeper issue unless again like you're just one of those people who just think it's so cool and relevant it's just annoying i do like on that cool and relevant note it's funny to me that i mean i feel like christians have sort of culturally like conceded so much to um the modern world for the sake of relevance a lot and i don't mean always in a bad way like but like our music has deviated away from hymns to more mm-hmm. cult like culturally relevant um genres of music even mm-hmm. like even like edm and stuff like that the one the one that we haven't brought into our churches is cussing like the modern culture because we probably cuss as a culture a lot more than they would have like 50 years ago i would tend to think like in general because i think there is more of a um desire to be civilized in that way and we've kind of let this lower more vulgar uh 
kind of language into Authentic. our yeah everyday dialogue um so i'm just like like picture for a moment you're in like a you know i'll say reformed baptist church and the the preacher's up there preaching a real fire and brimstone sermon and it, it's all like scripturally sound and you agree with every point he's making but he's just punctuating all his points with a big loud f-bomb <laughs> like why would you even react in that situation just get up and we walk out right so when you say amen the loudest. Yeah, you, you amen. <laughs> oh man. No, it's true. And I don't like I don't know if like if we swear more or less now. Like I grew up going to high school in, you know, not like some uppity thing. Like it was pretty rough. And so swearing just became part of life. Like it just it was actually in that sense kind of a way of marking me as different mm. that I didn't yeah. swear. And did it work as a missional opportunity? I don't know. Like, I think it opened up, maybe not that directly opened up conversations, but it was a way that it was just, this guy is different than, than us. The language he uses is different than us. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, you're right. We, we, we've, we've conceded a lot in that sense. I don't think it's a bad thing that we haven't done this. Yeah. I just, I just can, I think because I have to live in the world of words, I just think like there's better words to say. Just more articulating, cl like clear things. Like again, oh, for sure, emphasis yeah. and punctuation and like the power sometimes it feels like you can just like like there's some insults that like you can just string together some nicely oh they're so poetic right and just it feels so right mm -hmm. but then there's better ways of articulating myself that are gonna be more constructive right because at the end of the day right what does the bible say about our words right that number one there's life and death mm -hmm. right and a lot of the the swear words are meant to spew death when in that, in that yeah. space right yeah uh, not that other words aren't but just yeah, mean a lot like, of them are just insults contextually right, right? And then, um, and then like Ephesians where like everything is just spoken to essentially build the other person up with grace, whether that is a correcting, whether that's confronting, whether that's just encouraging, whether it's like just truly, uh, I think it's Colossians, right? Where it's, we're seasoned with salt or, or, or language is salty and just always for the good. And so if, if my filter and my language is meant to be always for the good, it's really hard to just be like, yeah, well, I'll just, you know drop a couple things here and yeah like i just just it, it, like it's not cohesive it's not the end of the world it's like it's not the something that i'm gonna freak out ab ab about but it's still something that i just that's my opinion on it yeah i don't know it's a, i think christians in general just have a a funny time with the sacred and the profane probably mm -hmm. um and this is probably the most obvious example of that even just in general, like the, the sacred and the profane conversation is, is kind of fascinating to me. Like, um, I just think of like, so it's Easter now and a lot of churches, like Catholic churches too, like will do like passion plays and, um, you know, they'll do like Jesus Christ superstar stuff like that in their churches. And a lot of people like really didn't like Jesus Christ superstar. Like when it, when it first kind of came out like that musical, but now we're kind of bringing that into like, um, like a sacred space, like an Easter service. Um, a lot of those songs and things. And I, sometimes I just think about that cause I've attended a, like a Easter service at a Catholic church before where they did a lot of that stuff. And granted it was like a, a younger congregation, like it's uh, St. Mike's here in town where they, is it St. Mike's? Yeah, I think it's St. Mike's. Um, so it's a lot of students that go there and the students were involved in putting this play on, but I was just like a little bit uneasy about it the whole time because I know like my mom grew up uh, in the Catholic Church and kind of when that that play came out and I had always heard that like oh yeah this is like kind of a sacrilegious play. I think we've I think there are times when well well there's some there's a couple of different dynamics I think at play right because the idea of the secular and sacred you know is kind of a debated thing right because yeah. there's those who say there's no such thing anymore yeah. right that in the old testament what was clean and unclean was very clear and cultic and and you know um law-based and now it's like we are redeeming the world and we reject certain parts of it and you know and and, and so like i think we have to be just careful on strict division right because you know, like Christian music versus secular music. It's music with certain themes. Like we can't yeah. like music is, and so things like that are, we talked about art before here in the cast. Like I think we have to be very careful, but I think we've adopted certain maybe methods or songs or whatever that 
maybe were written poorly. I don't know. Like I, I've, I've, haven't thought deeply Sloppy about wet kiss. Stuff, stuff like that, right? As an example, <laughs> right? That like, yeah, I understand the sacredness of a, of of that, like of a space of of a service, and I think we have to. I do think we need to recover a sense of awe hmm. and and yeah. wonder in these places. Yeah. But again, understanding the point of them, right? That right. it's not like a sacred place the sacredness is actually in the holy spirit dwelling in his people mm-hmm. right that we put up these monuments we put up these altars essentially to remind ourselves of these things but the space itself is nothing right like yeah. it's, like it, it isn't truly nothing um it's just a nice space where we give and we, we put work into honor god and create a space of gathering for a church for example or a service yeah um i do think that there is an idea of like sacrilegious or you know, like profane things, but it is usually the deprivation of good, the twisting of truth. Like, like I don't, it's, you're weighing kind of the heart behind the creation of this thing, right? So right. there's churches, right? One church I know way back, they got them, they got in so much trouble for this, right? When they did Highway to Hell on Easter. Really? Yeah. It's, it, it's when that. they kind wow. of first blew up and they're like, well, it's a cultural relevant song. It connects with people and it's kind of, Kind of like the language kind of allows you to make a very easy, you know, pitch towards the cross of like highway to heaven kind of a thing, right? And um, uh, yeah, and that church ended up getting like huge. Like it, it, it was one of the biggest churches in America. And um, I'm pretty sure it was them that I know for sure they got 50,000 at, at an Easter service. Wow. Um, which is like nuts, That's right? That's nuts. That's like three times the size of an NHL game. Yeah, like it's pretty crazy right? throughout all their campuses and whatnot. And so it's like, anyways, but they got big on that because that was a non-Christian song and like profane song and blah, 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 blah. And would I use it? No. No. And the reason why I wouldn't, I wouldn't use it is because I do think that a worship service, right, the point of that thing um, is greater than the value of entertainment and in strict cultural relevance yeah. right like i think the most relevant church is going to is going to be the one where you know where we use the language of the people at a very basic level we we do look like the culture um we 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 speak into the cultural issues but the power and the presence of the spirit is there it's not hidden not covered and yeah. not ashamed of right like i think there's this christian authenticity that is there and, and so like I don't know. I just, I just, I don't like that idea of like the good music, the bad music, right. the good words, yeah. the bad words, because like, I think we have to be more, way more nuanced than that. For right. Sure. Yeah. And, and I do think like becoming cheesy by adopting a bunch of cultural songs yeah. to make a, is yeah. just like, I think that's... like we are a church. People know you're a church. Like yeah. you're allowed to be a church and speak about Jesus and not doing some lame way. Like, yeah. You know, and, and and I don't mean that. Well, I do kind of mean that meanly, but I don't mean to be mean in that. I just mean like, it's it's, it's like we talked. I think we talked about it. Did we talk about it a couple of casts ago where the idea of like the attractional church is beginning to die? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like people come to church now, mm. needing hope. Yeah. Right. Needing certain things. It's like I'm not gonna waste your time and my time in a bunch show. of stuff that is unnecessary. Yeah. Right. And and so, yeah, the idea of the sacred and the secular. I'm one who disagrees with that dualism yeah to be honest like it's like new creation is all of creation god is redeeming all of it and we reject the sinful perversions of what is good right right? and try to redeem everything that we can so yeah the i think the whole idea of like um what you bring into the church like that's an interesting thing to talk about just so something like a passion play something like I mean, what some would call idolatry, others would call like iconography. Um, <laughs> uh, Subtle, but good. Yeah. Uh, just things like that, because I, I think the purpose of a lot of those things is to really connect you and f- put your mind in the space where you're focusing on God. Like mm-hmm. when you see the representation of Jesus' crucifixion and um, and all that that happens in the Passion Play, like that is a very powerful and often moving um thing for people to see to really done well done well yes because some of them yeah i grew up with plays for every occasion yeah and like i was like adamant i would never do a play Hmm. in the in like my church because i hated them yeah but i think 
if you have the talent and they can pull them off, they are really good because it's art, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, it evokes a certain thing. And, um, anyways, just, yeah. And me. all that to say, like the passion play I did attend at St. Mike's cathedral, I did find quite moving, like it's brought tears so, yeah. to my eyes and it was like, yeah, this is what it's all about. This mm-hmm. is, this is what I believe. And it's nice to remind yourself of that. Yeah. And I think we can be creative in that. We just gotta be, I think like we talked about it earlier on the cast, we just gotta be good at it. Like, yeah. like to be honest, people like have kind of asked me at times about like Risen, um, but like why we haven't put on like, you know, a Christmas production or whatever. I'm like, we just don't got the capacity for it. Like, like it's not really yeah. our gifting to Until be honest. we can do it well, I don't want right? to like, bother. I want to do what we do well, well. Yeah. And like, we just don't have, yeah. Like I just, it's, it's one of those things that I don't think God has uniquely called us to do because of the gifts and talents and skills and passions we have present in the church right yeah. like and so like one day maybe yeah but it's just it's like you know if we're not going to be able to do this art form really well let's just do well with what we do right yeah. and eat food together buy <laughs> people into that i love eating food with people at our church agreed A request has come up for us to talk about uh, something that probably a lot of people don't like talking about um, because it makes for uncomfortable conversation. But hey, this is the cast and we have uncomfortable conversations here. So we do. We do. All right. So we were asked to talk about veganism and um, even just the environment in general because these two things are linked. Um, So... We've got Mike here. Mike eats meat. Um, <laughs> so I guess by default, that makes me the person who's probably going to have to um, kind of take the side of the vegans here because I live a vegan adjacent lifestyle, <laughs> I, I guess we could say. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm vegetarian. I've been vegetarian for um, about a year and four months now. And uh, the number one question any vegetarian vegan pescatarian pretty much anyone who does any kind of diet gets asked is why and um this is actually a great opportunity for me because i can just tell people hey go listen to my podcast episode (laughs) if you want to know why and then then i don't have to explain it anymore um so i come at this largely from an environmental standpoint um as opposed to an animal rights standpoint now i care about that too um The bottom line is I think at this very moment in our world's history and where I live, the society that I live in, and um, how much I maybe am fearful of where our planet is potentially heading, Um, like I do believe the science about uh, climate change, I think that the most ethically responsible thing for me to do is at least um, be mindful of how my diet might impact that. So, so yeah, it's totally an environmental thing for me. Um, I do want to kind of read some quick stats here um, just to maybe make it clear to people um, that there is an environmental impact um, to the animal agriculture industry. This isn't to, you know, I don't believe in forcing anything on anyone, um, but I just want to, you know, make my case. So if you'll allow me. Um, so livestock use 30% of the earth's entire land surface, um, mostly permanent pasture, but also including 33% of the global arable land used for producing feed for livestock. Some 70% of former forests in the Amazon have been turned over for grazing. Um, Cows create about 150 billion gallons of methane daily. Uh, Methane is more harmful than CO2. It's up to 100 times more destructive. Um, It doesn't stay in the atmosphere as long as CO2, but it absorbs heat more than CO2, which makes it a worse um, gas for climate change. Agriculture is responsible for 18% of the total release of greenhouse gases worldwide. Half the water in the U.S. is thought to be used in livestock production. Um, compared to about 5% for private domestic use. All the cows on earth alone eat enough food that could satisfy the caloric requirements of 8.7 billion people, which is more than the population of earth, yet 20,000 children die every day of starvation. And not to mention that a person who follows a vegan lifestyle, that's not me, unfortunately, 
uh, for from the perspective of some people, but a person who follows a vegan lifestyle produces the equivalent of 50% less carbon dioxide than a meat eater and uses an 11th of the oil, a 13th of the water, and an 18th of the land. So Sources. I'm not giving them all to you right now, but I can, <laughs> I can ask um, for those. I, I consulted a vegan friend of mine for a lot of this stuff, but I mean, I pulled some of this also myself. I just say the nut because I'm being, yeah. you know, snarky. I just mean that because people should ask that. Right? People should ask that for where, sure. Where are we getting information from? Yeah. And I think, I believe there are probably, um, I, I hear a lot of people always tell me that, you know, the production of soy, for example, is like... Soy is in everything, people. Yeah. It and is. people have made, you know, arguments and backed it up with figures about how that's like um, very environmentally unfriendly. And maybe it is. I don't know. Um, but I think that there is good reason to believe that uh, animal agriculture is kind of wasteful in a lot of ways as far as just a sheer food production from that perspective. Like, I think there are better ways that we could be getting food. I think... In general, people should be consuming less animal products. Now, I'm not a vegan. I'm a vegetarian. I still eat eggs and I still eat dairy. And I'll give you a reason why I do that. Because I like them. So <laughs> so I haven't gone I haven't gone all the way over. And to be honest, eating eggs um, makes it a lot easier to not have to eat so much soy and black beans and all that other stuff. So Am I a bit of a coward? Am I kind of taking half measures here? Yeah, some might argue that. I still think that I'm, you know, at least doing somewhat my part to uh, not contribute to the animal agriculture industry. Yeah, I don't. I don't have like on that on those like statistical levels a lot of deep thoughts. I think like I'd be interested to know, you know. Obviously, as the Earth's population has grown over time, we've needed more food production and yeah. whatnot. Yeah. That, you know, it shifts the demand, right, on the agricultural world. But, like, comparatively, like, where we were before, like, how much stuff was going on. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, like, I'm all for sustainable farming. Emma and I, you know, we moved downtown a year ago, about. Um, and part of our commitment in doing that was to try to, like, kind of live a more simple life. We drive way less, right? We do walk a lot of places. We try to buy some local stuff and support local businesses and industries and um, shout out Legacy Greens for all that you do. And we like you. Well, I like you. I don't know if Sam likes you. I like Legacy you. Greens a lot, yeah. But we like Jordan, all, the, all that she's for. I always like, I don't know if she, whenever I go in, she always has this conversation to me about what's going on in the community and things she's like debating for and fighting for, for like the good, I'm like, Jordan, you are a good person. I really appreciate you. Yeah. So yeah, just let, just let you know. They make great soup there. They they do good food. They, they do good stuff. Anyways, that we like have committed to kind of that 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 space of a simple life. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like, I just I haven't done to be honest, um, a lot of the deep research into like the actual environmental impacts from our lifestyle or from the general lifestyle of an average person. Um, I don't think there's any reason to necessarily disbelieve it. Um, you know, you, if you're, if all your information that you're getting is from Netflix documentaries, then people like, you got to like, for sure. I think you have to understand bias, right? But even if it's somewhat true, right, that it's better overall for the world, for the environment, like we do have a creational mandate to care for the the environment. Like we have to take that into consideration. And I think poor theology leads you away from that mm-hmm. um some kind of like dispensational theology of like it's all going to hell in the handbasket god's going to restart anyway like yeah. which we fundamentally reject mm-hmm. right that god is redeeming new creation is coming like this is what we believe in that the body and the soul are not platonic in their separation but we are embodied beings and jesus bodily rose from the dead there's a huge creational push in the in the new testament right um knowing that that's part of who we are like I do not think essentially um, eating meat is a fundamentally, how do I say this right? Like for the Christian, a sin or nonsense issue, it's a place of Christian freedom. I do not think it's fundamentally a salvific moral issue. I would agree. Right? Like we have Paul literally giving instructions to the church whether to eat 
meat sacrificed to idols or not. Mm-hmm. And his concession wasn't don't eat meat, guys, it's bad. It was if the weaker brother essentially get it's a stumbling block for them then yeah. just in their presence don't do it right like yeah and so like it, like if there's ever a spot where paul could have just been like no you know we just don't eat animals it would have been that moment for right sure. yeah um and so that's something it's not a strict christian ethical question i think there's ethical considerations like you said environmental impact um people who have fought for animal rights i think there's a, again a creational care aspect to that um great treatment i i actually to be honest um, it was interesting. There was a Netflix, uh, like chef's table on yeah. a butcher oh, really? and how like he first went on wanted to be a vet <laughs> and yeah, right. Weird like wow. space, but it, it actually trained him to appreciate how to treat and essentially kill animals well with honor. And I really like, wow. I actually his, the documentary yeah. on him was actually quite just brilliant. Um, but so that's my first yeah. first take. Is like for me, this is not like an essential moral issue. Right. Yep. Um, it has impacts mm-hmm. in the way that we value certain things, which affect our, our ethic. Will obviously play into this, um, but I just want to make sure we get that that this is not like for me a salvific thing in the nope. slightest. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I don't think you can make a good or bad argument either way from the scriptures on a diet. Yeah, to be honest. Yeah, I, I want to dig out. into that a little bit more after. Um, before I do, I I think what you touched on is interesting, like the um, the whole yeah the creational care piece, mm-hmm. um, and just like the way you treat animals. Because mm-hmm. I so I want to dig into an anecdote um, that actually had a profound impact on me. Um, sorry, not an anecdote, just a story, an encounter I had. Um, so I went to Peru in 2015. Um, and it was a service learning trip. It wasn't like a mission trip or anything. There was no pretense of me going to help people. It was purely for my learning that I went on this trip. Um, but we stayed in a community, a pretty isolated community in the Andes Mountains um, for about four or five days. And that really kind of changed my perspective on meat, I think. So we did eat meat while I was there. But they basically, they slaughtered one of the chickens that they had roaming around the village for us um, because we were visitors. They wanted to, you know, give us a nice meal. Um, But still, we ate like quite small portions of the chicken there. And I learned that they would only like eat chicken maybe, you know, once or twice a week. Like it'd be, it's pretty rare just due to scarcity um, that they would even eat meat. Um, so they, it wasn't like they were centering every single meal around this chicken or, or the cow or, or whatever. It was, um, you know, more often they ate a lot of cheese, to be honest. Like I had cheese at like just about every <laughs> meal there, but, um, sounds good. Yeah, it was good. But there is this idea that like, um, you know, we let the animals live and there is like, a, there's a significant cost to when we slaughter an animal. Well, like the, this is going to get in that regard kind of complex in the sense of like the industrialization of food, yeah. right. Has deeply affected our relationship to it. Yeah. Um, even the quality of it. Like yeah. when you really get into the idea that like, you know, the, the diets of the ancient peoples were simpler often, but way more complex in their, yeah. in their richness. For right. Sure. Yeah. That like the white bread you get the store nowadays is mm. nothing like, bread used to be yeah. right this the yeah. fermentation process and all the the nutrients and proteins that we build up into it that we like the process stuff that we eat now like it is like it's it's a world of difference between yeah. what it right the the diet that we have and yeah like when you have to actually go and kill the chicken like emily she tells me a story of like similar thing but it was yeah. a little more gruesome she was in the philippines and the village that they were in had to kill the pig and like she could hear right yeah. the process and it just like she, even today like it just scarred her a little yeah. bit um knowing like now she likes bacon but yeah. like knowing like what, what yeah. had to happen and For it's sure. like when, when you have that connection yeah we're so far removed we are from the right? production of it right? and, and i think that 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 presents certain issues obviously in any kind of advanced society that kind of distance is going to be created as we get more technical and yep. we have more privileged positions of like you just want to make it all more efficient efficiency yeah. well and even just be the fact that like we don't have to like okay that 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 you know we aren't living uh generally speaking the average person right is not like doing everything they do just to have a meal that day yeah right there is poor yeah. and we have to deal with that 100 percent. so i'm not saying that but 
like the fact that like we aren't in a space where like literally we're, we're looking hey we got a chicken today we can yeah. eat kind of a thing right yeah. that it's just it, we, we are so blessed to like actually have like tech companies because we don't have to worry about food mm-hmm. right like right there is this there, there is a cultural story and narrative and, and luxury and, and blessing that we have that on the flip side of it right is we are removed from certain things and and that's why like for for us like we do like yeah, like there are some times where yeah we have we, we we go to costco like i'm not gonna pretend like we don't because it's bulk food and we got kids that need to eat and whatnot but when we can even there like i'm looking at like where things are from and like is it in season and you know even like your your ideas of like knowing the source of what this stuff is or even the the background industry behind it like it it is i think an important conversation for us to have as christians who do care about creation and and yeah that that deep connection and so like yeah like i'm i think it's important yeah right like you said these stories can shape us and i know like i've never had one of those i've seen an animal die kind of stories but one buddy told me about one time he went to um i think it was in thailand and um you know they this village that he was in i think it was thailand where like they got fed dog right because <laughs> wow. it was what was there yeah. right and that and, and he's like one day we, we go in the dogs rolling around the next day and there's no more dog and we're eating like and and like you have those experience of oh like this is yeah. like like there is death in there is death right? yeah for sure um that I, we don't really see yeah because like the way like factory farming works now it's like it's almost like we're treating the animals like they're like tomato plants, right? Like they're just, where we stick them in rows of tiny cages where they're not using their God-given limbs to walk around and roam and do things that animals do. And uh, we're essentially just growing them like plants and then just harvesting the meat from them. And that's kind of, um, I don't believe that, like, I think God gave us dominion over creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe God intended for us to, lock four two and four legged animals in cages where they can't even use their limbs to to wander around um like i just i don't think that is respecting the creation there so yeah the whole um and like so this kind of gets me into you know what's the way forward like i actually i agree like i don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with eating meat i think there's something fundamentally wrong with the way that our society treats meat our relationship to meat, I think. Um, so, and I'm not like, like, like I said, I still uh, eat eggs. I still um, drink milk and you, there are definitely ethical concerns with the production of both of those things too. Like they have to basically like the mother, it has to be a mother cow, like giving, they, so they force pregnancy on the, the cow in order for them to lactate, to produce milk. Like there's definite problems there. I haven't obviously taken the full step, but well, again, I think what you're fighting is, yeah, the way upon which the stuff is produced. Because, like, cheese has been around for a long time. Yeah. It's been a very staple human. Like, I remember sure. there's yeah. a video on YouTube called History of Cheese yeah. by, um, what what channel is it? Oh, I can't remember. It's so insightful. Because, like, where, where you see the, the, the way we've developed cheese over time, right? Yeah. And it's like these foods aren't, I don't think, fundamentally wrong. But there could be some practices for demand and supply and yeah. all that stuff that has forced us... Yeah, to to mistreat, um, to mistreat things that are valuable. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think, um, like if I if I had like a wish going forward for society, like I would love there to be a day where I can feel good about eating meat again because you know we've made it sustainable, we've respected the dignity of the animals that we're using, even as we harvest them. Because like I said, I don't like my uncle's a hunter, and I have no problem with the fact that he hunts and. I have no problem with people who like raise chickens in their backyards or anything like that. Like, I think that's great. And so, so like I personally, when I buy eggs, I do try to buy like free range. Now I realize that those, that comes with a bunch of asterisks sometimes. <laughs> um, they're, you know, you can argue about how truly free those chickens are, but you know, doing my best. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my take on that. Now, I have some Bible verses here. I kind of wanted your thoughts on them because they sort of do pertain to this. Sure. Um, Genesis 1, 29 to 30. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food and to all the beasts of the earth 
and all the birds in the sky and the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. He did. Now, he's talking about green plants, but is he saying, I give the beasts for food? Um, well, this like is, this is the Garden of Eden pre-fall. Pre-fall, so. right, in... Like there's a lot of arguments around what like what death looked like pre-fall as well. So did animals die before the fall? And did human like is death even a possible thing? Like so like the implications are actually a little bit wider than yeah than just me eating right? yeah. <laughs> eating food. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. Um, at one level, right, you could say that God is affirming the fact that we can eat plants, obviously. Right, yeah. that's what he says. But but it doesn't exclude meat, sure. right? Or because later, because earlier on, and like um, like later, go up a couple of verses in verse twenty four, it says God made brought forth living creatures of all their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth. So now there's a whole category called livestock, mm. right? Which are the purpose of a livestock is to right eat Produce it, food. yeah. So like you could argue that. You know, again, because this is Moses, we believe, inspired yeah. by God, writing this capturing of creation, yeah. right? And so when Moses was writing it, there were already things called livestock and where they process and understood animals, right? Because God in the law does give certain um, restrictions around that. So that's what I'm saying about that one where people are like, look, it says that. But like, yeah, two verses before it says there's livestock. So a whole type of animal that was made for that. Because really the purpose is like, what is the purpose of animal life? Like that—that that is the bigger question, right? And well, it's sort of to facilitate plant. Like you can't have plant life without animal right. There's life. There, there's it's ecosystems involved. Yeah. There's like there's eco like, and so you begin asking these bigger bigger questions. I think of like, you know, is the purpose of a chicken mm-hmm. to feed a human being? Well, I don't know. They taste good, especially fried on between waffles. They do. Right? Yeah, I will not disagree with that. And so, like, you know, like, I think I think the argument strictly from the scripture of where we were in the garden, we were all vegans. It's I can understand it, but I don't think I think you can poke holes in it. Um, I don't think it's super prescriptive one way or another. No, like, I, like I, that's the thing is, is what we what we reveal is that we are supposed to definitely be eating plants. I yes. can definitely like I like we are definitely like, supposed to be plants. <laughs> we are for like, sure. Those like, people that like will not uh pull out a carrot because it's killing the plant. Like there is an actual like diet. I think it's called like Jane veganism. Then what do you eat? They just eat fruit. Like they and you just can't kill the plant in order to to eat it. So the fruit So you can eat fruits, but you can't eat like but, root vegetables. But are they fruits that have rotted already? So they're already dead? No, the fruits are fine. Like you can pick an apple from a tree because you're not th- killing the plant. There are some people who like won't even eat like healthy fruit because there is some kind of life force in them. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So that way it kind of starts rotting a little wow. bit. And anyways... But no, so yeah, so I don't know. I, I would argue that that's not a strong case for or against. I think it's a strong case that you should be eating a healthy diet. Mm, for right? sure. So 1 Corinthians six nineteen to 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were, brought at, you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So context of sexual sin, by the way, and the fact that you are not your own person. Christians do not believe in ultimate autonomy, but we are submitted to the will of God in all things, not necessarily applying itself to this, but fair enough. It's been quoted with smoking yes, and everything else, right? So yeah. the idea of the temple and the body. So, yes. Yeah. The, um, fun fact about that, the World Health Organization has designated red meat as a group one carcinogen, just putting it out there. Uh, just putting out their conspiracy theory against the beef industry. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think, like, to be honest, this is just not even theological at all. Like, yeah. we, like, we, like, don't buy, generally, there's some processed meats we buy, but, like, processed meats, because just, like, yeah, yeah, why bother put that in your body? Seriously, yeah. Like, some of it's just, like, I think wisdom. We don't think about it deep enough. And if people don't like cooking and they don't want to put the work in and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, like, I'm just saying, right? I think like there is an element of we do need to take care of what God's given us. Our bodies matter, right? Yeah. And the reason I decided to become vegetarian was due to the environmental stuff. 
So I came for the environmental stuff, but I stayed for my body, like how I feel um, just being vegetarian. Cause like, I, I would say I've never felt better. Uh, my stomach consistently feels great. Um, and I had like crazy stomach pains all the time. I'd say before I went vegetarian. Um, I don't know if they're necessarily necessarily related. I think some of that also might have been just being a new grad and adjusting to a different (laughs) schedule and all that stuff. Correlation is not causation. Yeah, so I don't want to like you know throw that anecdote out there as evidence that it definitely makes you feel better. But I think eating less processed food, more fruits and vegetables, like yeah, it's not going to go bad. I think everyone, like I think we could all objectively do well to eat less meat and more vegetables. Like, I think, I feel like no one would really dispute me on that. Like, I'm not saying you have to not eat any meat at all. Like, I'm really, I don't draw, I don't take a hard line stance like that. For me, like, not eating, like, McDonald's has been a wonderful byproduct (laughs) of cutting meat out of my diet. French fries, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, even for us, like, one of the things that people don't really realize about our family is that we have dietary restrictions on all sides so there was a time where we were basically forced to be i it wasn't vegetarian necessarily but it wasn't vegan because we couldn't eat soy avocados gluten dairy sugar um cashews which is like the vegan diet cashew Mm -hmm. soy and like avocados yeah right so we had to get real creative with like a lot of grains and beans and just raw stuff a raw diet almost like that's like you you begin to learn like it takes an adjustment but we just figured out how to do it a little bit and again to me like i think that we need to be i think i think that we need to be more aware of the choices that we make when it comes to our life including our food right like Mm -hmm. i remember getting so annoyed at like you know the fair trade movement because all these christians like if you don't buy fair trade you're an evil person um, and I was like, you're so judgmental. And and then you begin to realize like what they're actually fighting for is the ethical treatment of people. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's like, okay, there's there there's a bigger conversation I want to have here. And the same thing is true with this. Like I like I'm eat meat and I like Jesus ate meat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. Disciples yeah. ate meat. Sure, yeah. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. God gives Peter a vision of like random animals. It says, kill, yeah. eat these things, right? Like if God was against that, like he had many opportunities to say, don't do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I do enjoy a good thing. But like I joked with you guys a couple weeks ago, like I watch stuff about sustainable farming all the time. And how do we do better at the food industry? Like like there, there's just one Netflix, Okay. Um, chef's Table. It's like my only documentary series I love watching because it's all about cooking and high-level chefs. And there's one about a guy in Italy who basically rescued the Sicilian olive industry by himself. Um, inspiring stuff. If you haven't watched it, go find it. I don't remember what season it is. Maybe it's five. Um, and just like, and his whole thing was that like, they were they were actually losing this whole kind of olive because hyper supermarkets were moving in and just industrializing everything and sort of kicking out little growers Mm. um and it just ruined so they had no incentive to actually keep on creating this product um it just was like an inspiring thing because again i love cooking i'm very committed to food (laughs) um i preach about it i use it as an illustration almost every week in fact you do yeah in fact if you're on church on sunday then you know that i even kind of have this like (laughs) weird like third person moment where i'm like making fun of myself for talking about food again because it just it just food or your kids that's legitimately legitimately the joke i was gonna make because i'm still gonna make is like pastors talking about food again and i'm like guys i'm simple i got kids and food that's that's (laughs) i actually plan to say that oh man Uh, did i spoil it well no one's gonna hear it till after so it's all good that's true yeah uh but it's like that that's what it is so like i'm really committed to so i'm probably more passionate about food and like what we eat than the average person but and not necessarily this funny, not necessarily from an ethical thing, but just because like flavor and taste and like yeah. quality, yeah. right? And um, but it's brought me into the space of really thinking deeply about ethical farming, and you know, and as a Christian, right, there is an impetus towards like genuine care for these things. Like life, every lower form of life, right, 
is something that we are called to care for, right? Yeah. Every dominion we have is the dominion of cultivation, not of of use, essentially. Like there is use in it, but it's not purely that. It's flourishing. It's it's God giving us permission to use things. Like He says, we can use plants, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 the life in a plant is uh, usable, right, for our good, right? right? And so yep. that's not like, and I don't mean use in some like crass way, but I mean like we can we can use it. And so I do think that there is an element of that, that there is a purpose in the sustaining of the human person. Like, because at the end of the day, this is controversial for all the vegans, but like, you know, we do believe human beings are inherently more valuable. Sure. The model day is in us and not anything else. And we have certain layers of life, like the basic idea of life, right? That you, that this thing, this organism uses mechanics in itself to gain energy, to grow and reproduce, right? Like, from abiotic life to biotic life, that's the same idea. Then you get higher forms of thinking and consciousness that are yep. going to that. And then we have moral reasoning. And so the, the, that's why like Aristotle called us essentially rational animals, right? That we have the animal level of life plus this thing. Yeah. As, human, as Christians, we would have a slightly different perspective on it with the idea of like, you know, the, the image of God and the soul and these things that are part of us. But... Um, so it's, not, it's like to me, it's not some offensive thing to say, but human beings are the most valuable part of this thing um, before God. Like sure, there is a yeah. hierarchy of value, and that the lesser things are meant to, um, not exclusively, but as part of their purpose to help flourish the ones that are above it, and they all depend on each other. They said there's interdependency, but it's interdependency within a certain you know value hierarchy that we are the Imago Dei. And so I think there is this, I think it's a deeper question than just we love animals because we should. Like if you treat animals poorly, you're just... There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you, Mm -hmm. 100% like there is. Um, And I think if you are willfully ignorant, Mm -hmm. like we are about a lot of stuff, that it's a problem, right? Like, you know, whether it's pornography, right? So many guys are willfully ignorant Mm -hmm. of how unjust and... Um, like just degrading and and stupid. Truly, it is. Um, but but it, it feels good, right? And the steak tastes good, and that there are all these different layers to it. So I think we just got to be. I think we have to actually question our assumptions a lot more and ask the deep questions. And yeah, like I just. But I to say that like again, this is more about a personal journey where I'm like I just love food so much. For I sure. just want it to yeah. be good quality, sustainable food, right? Yeah, yeah. And I like I said, you know, I'm not out to convert anyone or tell someone like you got to stop eating meat. I mean, there might be a day in my life where I eat meat again. Like I don't know what my family life is going to look like eventually when I have kids, you know, I think I don't want to deprive them of having eaten meat. I and do want to be, be fair, very... if you just let kids like, like right now live as like a, a, a very loose vegetarian. <laughs> Cause when like she has this concept of yeah. like things have to die so we can eat them. Yeah. And so there was a time where she refused to eat fish when she figured, found that out. She refused to eat meat when she found that out. Um, and then she has bacon. She's back on it. But like, she's quite simple like that. Yeah. I love her for it. But yeah. but like kids, I think, are intuitive in that way as well. They, rec- they recognize that. And that, yeah, like you want to train up your kid the way they should go, but recognizing that like there is a growth pattern there. So just, yeah, life changes. For sure. Things happen. For sure. Yeah, I hope uh, I hope our listeners have found this to be an even-handed conversation. Like, I know this is an uncomfortable one. I know we love our meat. I love meat. If people ask me, what's your favorite meat? I can still give you an answer. I love fish and chips. It's like my favorite I think food we should get more deer in our diet. I love venison. venison. Oh, my word. I love all this stuff. Like, it's so good. And I will still continue to make fun of vegans sometimes on Sunday mornings. Yeah, that's fine. Just because we can. I make fun of everybody. Let's be real. Yeah. Equal opportunity offender. Sure. I try to be. I just want us to think deeply about it too. Yeah, we should come to your own conclusions. Um, this is the conclusion I've come to, and you know, I trust you guys. You're listening. You're thinking yeah. about this. And I think so. For me, maybe if I had to define myself, because you've defined yourself, I think I've made myself pretty clear. But just like, mm-hmm. I think I'm a a uh, a regular diet person. What's the like? I don't actually. You're a meat eater. Omnivore. I'm I'm an omnivore with sustainability ethical. Some leanings. Leanings. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Where I just like, yeah. I, well, and you know me, I would tend not to be very like, I'm, ext- I'm extreme in some ways, but I tend not to draw very hard lines. 
in you some don't, areas. And I appreciate right? that about you. So like if if you're vegan, you're vegan. It's great. We'll go eat some chickpeas together and mm-hmm. have our avocados. If you're Although the one story where I tell where I forgot that you're vegetarian and made you eat chicken stock. It's pretty funny. But um, try to respect those boundaries. But like, yeah, you know, we just got, I think you just, I don't know, we just got to challenge people to think deeply about all things. Like, and if you think, well, that takes a lot of work. Yeah, it, it does. It, you know, it does. We have to, and, and I think I would say this, and this might start a whole other conversation, but, you know, we are, in a time in history where we have more access to information, right? Not always good information, but information, right? We, we, we live in a society generally that gives us a lot of luxury time, mm-hmm. right? Like it is, it is a luxury to be able to study deeply and read and like explore these, like, cause if you're just living to survive, like you don't get to. So if you have the opportunity to like dig deep and think deeply, like you should recognize the blessing that that is and actually do it. Like yeah, don't just, own it. don't just live life minute to minute. Like, it's, there's a greater thing here that we need to think through. A greater for us as Christians, there's a greater narrative, a greater story, the recreation of the world, the redemption that God's bringing, the the beginning to the end of what we have. And like, if you've been put in a privileged position where you can truly study, think deep, sit, contemplate, you should be doing that.